Hello and welcome to the World of Game Design channel. I'm your host, Zach, and I'm joined by my uh, good friend and co-creator, Brian Collin. Thanks for coming on the show, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, this is, I think, I know I did a, um, uh, a review of Vostrium on the YouTube channel uh, mm -hmm. a couple of months ago. And I think we've chatted before on a couple of different things. I know you were on our Gen Con, uh, or I was on your Gen Con panel uh, for yep. Morkborg. So uh, it's been fun to chat with you. And I'm glad I'm glad that you got another thing in the hopper and that we get to chat about it too. Yeah, me too. It's it's always fun to to be making new things and get creating things for other people to hopefully play in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to assume then that like, but the fact that you've been on a few times that that we've talked about you both on the podcast and on the YouTube, I'm going to assume at this point that like most of our viewing audience knows who you are and kind of has an idea of what Vastgrim is. We'll cover that a little bit, but um, sure. what I'd like to do here is go a little bit deeper past the surface level into some of the details about these products that you're launching. Cause I think there's some cool stuff here. And uh, this is an, is it fair to say that this is an abnormal uh, Kickstarter campaign in a few ways? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, it's not like, it's not really the core book because we did the core book on GameFound before. And I think we're going to be hitting people that don't know what it is yet. Like yeah. people that just haven't discovered it. So that's weird um, in itself. Um, also like, we're doing three books at once. Yeah, they're not big books, but it's also three, which is which seems odd. Uh, I think will seem odd to a lot of people, but there are three things that didn't quite fit together in one volume. Mm -hmm. But they were all things that that I wanted to get out there. Yeah, and we've got these crazy patches that don't really fit with the books, but I think they fit with like Fast Grim and like the the people that are playing. Yeah, yeah. It, there's like like the patches angle, which we can let's just go ahead and dive in, I guess, to some of this. But like sure. um, the patches angle, I thought was interesting because it definitely has like this other vibe. Like when you look at like mothership patches as an example, like you get a crew patch for each one of these uh, 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 mothership projects that launches, and it's like a cool singular thing that is definitely tied to the product, but it's kind of like a, a standalone thing. Or if it has a larger context, it's within the, within the entire scope of the game, right? Um, your patches, some of them are smaller, but they all have this like, like almost like a collector's approach from the very beginning of like, these, these are here for you to, to, for you to build up a, a repertoire of, and, or a, a collection of, and, and, uh, swag out something in, in, in a way that feels almost more like pin trading or something like that. Yes, that absolutely. And like, part of it is they, like, I went with the honeycomb kind of pattern theme yeah. so that they could interlock and fit together. And we have some patches that I've designed and gotten samples of that we haven't had made yet, like patches for GMs that run games at conventions. Oh, yeah. Or people that make third-party content and go to print with it. Like, you do a third-party Vascrim project, you print it, make it out there in the world. I'm going to send you a patch that only those creators get because you're part of the Vascrim horde at that point. And yeah. so trying to make it like almost like a badge of honor that you wear. Yeah, and I think I think like just going from the patches to the project as a whole, like this project to me, and I know it hasn't launched yet. This Vaskarim project launches on January 24th. Um, but, but I got a little preview of it and got to look at the Kickstarter page, got to look at like the, uh, the press kit and things like that. Uh, to me, this feels like, you know, the, 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 the example that first comes to mind is just like the, the guy at the poker table that just pushing all his chips to the center, right? It's this communication of, uh, Brian is all in, on this product line, this project. Does that yes. make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's it's interesting that you say it that way, because like at the beginning or at the end of last year, because like, I made all sorts of stuff, not just as part of the Infinite Black team, but also on my own on the side, I've been making all sorts of RPG related stuff. And I realized that if I'm going to be splitting my time amongst multiple projects and IPs, then none of them are going to be as strong as they could be if I just went dove all the way in. And that's why this new project has so many different things. I mean, from the the Starship book to a like main adventure book that's set around the this uh, this planet K two one one six B, and then a separate book that's all about space raiders and and basically space pirates. They're all very different books, uh-huh. but they all fit in, into the game. Yeah, yeah. So like 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 I I'm super intrigued about this one just for just for that fact. Like it like it feels like. We review a ton of Kickstarters. I think we just counted up and like um, on on the main Geeks Can't show, we've reviewed over 500 different Kickstarters over the last few years. And so like, wow. we're used to it. Like I have a super background back, like 250 products myself on the game space. Like I see a ton of projects every every week. And so looking at something like this, I'm like, oh, this is different. And different is always attractive to me. Um, even if it doesn't work out perfectly, I think this one has a good chance of working out great. Uh, but but even if they don't work out, I'm always a pe- uh, like drawn into somebody that's really <laughs> has a different way of doing things. And I, I think that, that in a lot of ways, that's what this is. Um, it feels like a, um, hey, the line, the Vastgrim line, which if people don't know, Vastgrim is this, uh, like, I think you call it like a sci-fi punk version of morkborg right uh yep okay good totally. and, yeah and you like it stands alone so you got the core rule book that you kickstarted on or crowdfunded on GameFound, um and that's out in the wild now and then uh this this kickstarter is for like the expansionary content for it but i think when i think about vast grim or when i think about death in space when i think about pirate borg these products that are kind of like morkborg adjacent right now i think man they've got so much ground to catch up like, and if they're going to compete in this space and be viable and have the same thriving community as Morkborg, which maybe maybe none of these products will ever get quite to that level. But if they're going to have yeah. a chance of playing with the big dogs, they really need to, like, commit to this is a line that people want to mm-hmm. dive into to where they're going to have investment into. Because people right now, I think, in the Morkborg community are spending hundreds of dollars a year on cheap products, but a lot of products. And so their buy-in to Morkborg is huge on mm-hmm. a individual community member customer level and absolutely like i'm a, I, I adore vasker my adore pirate i got my copy of pirate board again the other day i think that's an amazing uh-huh. book like like all these are so great and i'm like oh, i want them to have that same robust community i think so i think what you're doing here is communicating that from the creator standpoint you want to tell the 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 larger rpg industry and and fan base that you are 100 on board here and I really like that. It's really great. Yes. Yeah. I'm I don't want the the core book to be a one and done thing. Right. You know, this is something I want to grow and I want I really want the community to get involved and start building on things and making their own rules and making their own settings and all that stuff. Cause the more people that get into it, the more fun it is for everybody playing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that's where it's gonna survive. That's where it's gonna thrive is when the more yeah, it's gotta have constant supply of people onboarding and having plenty of resources to utilize once they get on there right um so i look at like all right we'll use well we'll use more quirk i just saw a conversation actually uh happening on uh on a, on a forum thread or something and somebody said 
are the creators of Morkborg ever going to put out another Morkborg thing? Right? And that was mm-hmm. a very telling request, right? Because what that person is really asking is, how committed are the creators to this being a long-term product? Um, And nobody really knows, or at least nobody in that that thread knew, like what the long-term plans for the brand were outside of Johan and Pele kind of handing the lion's share of it over to the community and saying, go go have fun. Um, But people do look to the creators. Like they look to Johan still. They look to you for Vast Grimm. They look to to Luke for Pirate Borger, they say, what's next? And you're saying, this is what's next. Um, And, you know, it's a little easier for me than probably Johan and Pele because they both have full-time gigs, right? right? My full-time job is in the gaming industry with Infinite Black. So it's uh, it's probably easier for me to dive into the next official release than they they might be able to. Right, right. But, and and that's like, even if Johan and Pele said, hey, we've done our thing, we're moving on. Like, that's fine. I think that they've grown the community to the point where it's going to be robust with or without them at this point. But I think that I always am enheartened when I see a creator say, no, this is this is this is a world that I want to live in. This is a world that Mm -hmm. I want to participate in. And so I'm super excited about this project for a lot of different reasons. Um, Getting into the products itself, we talked about the patches. So just looking at the three products, you mentioned them a little bit already, but you got three hardcover books, same proportions at same dimensions mm-hmm. as the core book or as the Morkborg book but these are smaller these are like uh i think you said like 55 pages is that right somewhere in that they're, range? they're 48 at the moment 48 we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens with stretch goals and things right on okay yeah that made sense i was like 55 is i think an impossible feat for a book to achieve because <laughs> it's an uneven number um yeah. but no that's great perfect so 48 pages i think you did a uh you did a Morkborg book that was about the same size, right? Exactly. Yep. And that was kind of like my, that was on my own. And that was kind of like my testing ground to see if I like the size, because for me, I like hardcover books on my shelf. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love zines. I love, they're less expensive to produce, mm-hmm. but I want to see spine. I want to see, I want to see the the library grow yeah. and you can really see that with a hardcover and 48 probably, you don't really want to go smaller than that with a hardcover sure. book. But like a lot of the OSE books, like modules that I have mm-hmm. are hard, hardcover. They're 48 pages and they work just great. Yeah. I think the smaller dimensions of the book, right, where mm-hmm. we're not talking about an eight and a half by 11, eight and a half by 11 hardcover, that's 48 pages, feels small. It feels, sure, like, it feels like nothing. Yeah. Yep. But but I agree with you. Uh, I've got several. Well, I, I just got the Tales from Dungeon Deep guys. They did a, a, a hardcover print run of their stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is very reasonable. I think this was like 70 pages. But I was like, yeah, this is this is this is perfect. Um, so you got three books here. And I was fascinated by what you're choosing to put in each three of these books. So one's called Blood Altered. One's called Space Raiders. One's called Space Cruisers. Um, and. I thought I knew what you were getting into with each one of those. Like, I'm like, uh-huh. okay, if I was going to guess looking at Blood Altered, I'm like, probably like cults or an adventure of some sort. Space Raiders is probably a big book of NPCs. And then Space Cruisers is probably a big book of spaceships and space travel. And I think to some extent, maybe I got some of that right. But then you kind of like fleshed out. I'm like, no, these are actually, I feel like there's a lot more utility in these books. And, um, that's kind of the thing that I want to pick apart. You said, so Blood Altered, you have listed as 
a multi-adventure campaign with additional subclasses and monsters, right? Yes. And then Space Raiders says new classes, factions, and a hex crawl set in a region known as the Graveyard, filled with junker ships controlled by a Space Raider faction. So there's a lot of very interesting words in that one. And then Space Cruisers include Starship creation rules, space combat rules, and new locations. So um, of those three, I think definitely it makes sense in my mind to say, hey, obviously space travel is this whole new thing that's not part of the Morkborg book. Right. We need to dedicate some time to. So that one makes sense to be its own book to see it alone. I, I fully support that one. And I think you could like look at the cover and know what you're getting into there. Those other two, though, yep. I think are secretly really, really smart moves. Um, because I was just having a conversation uh, this week with uh, one of my team members. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. I think that we're, we should move, be moving away as a community. I think the community, the the creators, the the public are moving away from these like here's a big book of resources as the default expansion for a thing, a bestiary mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And we, sure. instead of saying, here's a big book of resources, we want a more uh, targeted book of resources that then give examples or utilization for how you can put those resources into your world. Right. Yes. Um, the, the D and D version of this is we have a monster manual, but then we have Volo's guide. Right. And monster manual right. is just 250 monsters. Great. With a little paragraph right. for each one stat block, you move on. Volo's Guide is actually secretly really great and and brilliant as a book because it says here is a way more condensed set of monsters. Maybe I don't know, it's maybe fifty monsters. But here's mm-hmm. how. Here's five different monster ecologies, right? Here's an ecology mm-hmm. for gnolls. Here's an ecology for the undead. And here's how you can like utilize all these monsters in cool ways and insert them into your campaign. What I love about these two books is that you are putting in resources with things like new subclasses, new monsters, the idea of factions, and um and more classes again, like all of these things are new resources, new modular things that you can tack onto your game. But then both of these have adventures of some sort and two different types of adventures. (laughs) Very different. Right. And I don't know much more than what you say there, but what I see multi-adventure campaign, I know what, I feel like I know what that is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Campaign total told over shorter adventures, which is my my favorite way of doing a campaign. And then you also have a hex crawl, which I also adore, but but those are two different types of experiences. And like the moment I read through that, I'm like, this is like, Brian, I felt like you had really like sat down and really thought about what you wanted out of these books and what the user experience was going to be like. And you didn't just default to. <laughs> I've tricked you. Right? Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, I mean, I did in a way, but really, as I made these, it was I was making stuff that I was excited about. Mm. And things that I wanted to do, and I wanted to, ex- I wanted to experience different things as I created, right? Yeah. So, like, I didn't want to do the, like, I didn't want to make one where it's like, okay, this is adventure. It's the same kind of thing. I wanted to, I wanted to play something different. I wanted to get to share something different. Like the hex crawl for me is really fun because it's on a, it's on a space grid, and you roll for the number of ships that you place, and you nice. roll for the location that you point them, almost like battleship, right? Nice. Where nice. you place them. And depending on how you run the game, they can be derelict ships. There can be things inside of them. So it can be as short or as long as the, the table wants it to be with, with one key thing that's like kind of the end goal. And that can that's random as well. So it has a lot of a lot of replayability. Yeah. Oh man, like I like I like hearing you say that like you just wrote what you wanted. Cause I think I think so often and, and I'm guilty of this. I'll put myself in the in the in the unfortunate bandwagon. But um, like so often, like creators just jump to the assumed thing, 
like, well, I put out my core book, so I guess the next book is either a campaign book or it's a bestiary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a campaign campaign book should be X and a bestiary should just be monsters or just be whatever. And like, maybe that would work. I think that if you had to put out a bestiary only, right, for Vosgrim, it would have done well, yep. right? But sure. at the end of the day, honestly, I think at this point, in at least my gaming career experience, I would say... I know that I'm going to get way more use out of these books. Absolutely. And both both the GM and the players get use out of these books. Right. Right. That's right. like, I mean, a player is going to read through a bestiary, but they're not going to use it nearly as much as a GM. And I want everybody to get to enjoy it. And also, if I were to just put a whole bunch of, just spend a, like a long time just making all monsters or creatures and things like that, I'd probably get a little bored. Like yeah. I like variety in my workflow. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Colville, actually, I don't, do you, do you, do you, do you, do you watch Colville or MCDM? Every now and again, every now and then, but not, not, not regularly. He said something recently in one of his videos that I thought was very interesting. And I think I largely agree with, he said the secret to making a, uh, a viral, uh, you know, exciting RPG that people want to buy is presenting them with cool character options and class options that Uh they look at and say, I want to play that. I want to play that creature that character that class that whatever if you can do that nothing else matters nearly as much and and i thought that was very interesting i i'm like oh i I sat on it for a while i'm like oh well we know in the rpg industry that game masters spend the most money right like Mm -hmm. far and above players don't spend nearly as much money as game masters but i think he's right in that secretly every game master gets excited about a product because they imagine themselves as a player right yes absolutely and you know if if you're as the gm your players are excited about the, the the classes and the characters they're playing. That's just going to make it a better experience for you. The uh, the classes in the Space Raiders book, there's so much weird, goofy stuff that me, my family, and I just adore because I put things in references to to strange things that that we we were just into. Give me an example of a of, of one of the class names in that Space Raiders book. So a, a subclass are killer clowns. And my daughter's favorite movie as of Halloween was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Nice. So um, there's a lot of little references to that movie. And like one of the pieces of equipment is balloon animals. And they're filled with, depending on the color balloon, it's filled with a different toxin. So mm. like little uh, strange things like that. I love that. Uh, and and yeah, like, gosh, that's sort of like, as soon as you say like space clowns, like I think like I immediately go back to D&D just put out Spelljammer, right? And they put out their, their mm-hmm. box set of that. And Space Clowns were in there. And that was one of the things that people brought up frequently. It's like, wow, this feels very out of place for D&D. But like the idea of Space Clowns is very like captures the imagination, right? right. Um, and that's a great thing about the core Morkborg book. It's a great thing about your uh, your Vaskrim book is like Morkborg is all about this whole every every iteration of it that I've seen so far is all about capturing the imagination, hooking you with a cool idea. And letting you kind of like help fill in the gaps after that, yes. right? Um, so super, super down for that. Um, what other things do? You, what other things have I not brought up that you think are really cool about these books or or the Kickstarter in general? Uh, so the, I was I was scared of doing the the Starship stuff at first, mm. right? Because you know there's lots of people that are super crunchy with Starship rules, and this is all very light and it feels very much in line with Morkborg and how that game works and the ship building process is the same as character building. 
So if you wanted to do it randomly, you'd roll a D6 and you would get one of the classes. Then you'd roll a D6 and get that type of ship within that class. And so it's all it has a very similar, uh, if you're familiar with character generation, it'll feel fit right. Mm. It'll just be natural. Um, I've changed the, the stats that ships have, but um, it has a very similar flow. It do you, do you think like when you start rolling dice at the table when you're when you're in your ship and let, you're in a ship combat and whatnot like do you feel like the play style of ship combat is similar to what you would expect from like a Morkborg combat like a yeah, character absolutely. combat absolutely yeah cool but just because each player t- takes on different roles within this the starship very similar to like after playing pirate pirate borg uh, a game that luke ran i was like i can do this I, I like i felt confident in doing it after after i played that good good yeah i was wondering if maybe you had uh you had picked luke's brain about how he does his his ship combat um that's cool and i think i think mark borg really creates an easy access point to things like ship combat because it's theater of the mind by and large right so right. We already are not having to discuss the fact, like in D&D terms, if you were going to do it, everybody expects a grid. Well, if you're all in a spaceship in D&D, like theoretically it could be cool, but somebody's going to get to do movement and other people are not, which is one of the right. fun things. If you're on a grid with, you know, cool tokens and whatnot, like, oh, I'm, yep. I'm the only person that gets to move it. Okay. But with Morkborg, though, like the idea is it's all in your head or it's with your head with some helpful handouts or whatever, like... Mm-hmm movement and your place and relative positioning to everything still has a purpose but it like it's way less impactful at the table and it feels way less like a a cool thing that you get to do and nobody else gets to do as would be my imagining right i mean and so like each ship has different uh, amounts of modifications like they have different mod slots with okay. some maybe weapons some maybe different things so one person may be the captain and they may be flying the ship and deciding which direction to go or if they need to turn whereas somebody else may be doing that or somebody else's uh, holding down the defenses on the ship when you're getting attacked. So trying to make it so everybody gets to do something and nobody is just left with with one person calling all the shots is really mm-hmm. the goal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I'm Okay, that's super cool. And I love the idea of, like, anytime you have a vehicle, a ship, a boat, a, 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 a safe house, a keep, like anything that is a communally owned uh, object, from the party perspective, I always think the first thing that I want to do as a player, first thing my group wants to do is they want to modify it. They want to improve it. They want to fortify it. They want to tweak it out. They want to paint it. They want to, right? Like those are the things that that players get excited about, I think, is taking something and making it their own. It's the Millennium Falcon, right? Like it's that idea of like, it's not just a YT-1300. It's YT-1300 with a thousand cool little things that you'll only discover once you get into it, right? Yes, Um, totally. Um, I'm, uh, that, that excites me to no end. And, and my expectation then would be, you talked to a little bit about world exploration, but moving forward with that book already now in, in place, I could imagine adventures, campaigns, things like that, where part of the reward and part of the, uh, uh agenda for diving into those things is ship modifications, right? It's another yes. form of loot at that point that we can exactly insert into the game. That's cool. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully there will be third party generated tables of all sorts of ship modifications, ship tributes, like the magic in Vascrim is tributes instead of scrolls. Right. So there are, there's a thing called like that are starship tributes that can't be, they're not like for individual use, but for a starship, that's something else that can be totally fun and, and added to it. That's very cool. So 
All right, so let's pretend for a moment as we're, as we're, as I think we got a good context of the books and what's inside them. Let's pretend for a moment. I don't think it's hard to pretend that these are going to fund, you're going to be making these books. Um, you get those behind you and they're out on the shelves. Like, like what, what, what sort of other things I'm not necessarily looking for, like, what, what's the next book you're writing? Gosh, darn it. You're just sure. making three, right? Like <laughs> I should be asking for more, but what I am curious about is like, how, do you, how what ways are you looking at growing the, the Vascrim community outside of just releasing books sure so we're, we're going to do a jam later this year a game jam we already have the game jam patch for people that participate in that that's designed we have samples of it um so i really want to try and encourage that there's a at least one person if you go to kickstarter now and do a search for Vastrim, there's one third party project that's uh, going to launch during zine month okay. our zine quest so we're hoping that will will grow um we the very first volatile verse that we uh, printed with the first uh, crowdfunding. We have issue two, three, and four scheduled for this mm -hmm. year. So every other month starting in April, we're going to have monthly releases. Um, one will be not be the that, but it'll be a smaller adventure that we're working on that's uh, one of them's already in production. So we're going to keep putting things out there because what I've found, at least with the people that are on the Infinite Black Discord, people that aren't necessarily writing a lot of their own game content, mm -hmm. they're burning through content really fast like they're running a game and then they're waiting for more right so i'm hope, hoping as we put more stuff out other people start putting more stuff out so it'll just kind of start to snowball throughout 2023 you had talked a little bit early on about the vascrim horde right the this group yep. of creators that that you're you're hoping to draw in and you already got some um what talk to me about that process if somebody's watching this video or you know or you know maybe 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 i want to write a vascrim thing later like yep. what does that look like it's super easy. If We have it on the website where you can go to the link. It has the copy that you have to include. There's a logo. You have to include the Morkborg compatible yeah. uh, information because we, we follow their uh, license since it's under there. So it's basically like essentially having two of those. And then you can just, uh, we also have a, you can click on a writing style guide document that I've created that kind of outlines how we tend oh, to write nice. things and how the flow needs to go. Uh, there's a link to a font PDF of, of the fonts that, that are used in the core book. Um, and so resources to try and help. And then once, if I know it's out there, we have a page on the site where there's links to people's itch pages and things like that, because I want to try and make sure that we help foster uh, that growth. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. So I see a lot of things that way. I know that you're already planning on, you, you, I see you at a million conventions. So one way or another, Brian is going to be at, <laughs> yeah. at conventions uh, this year, but uh, anything, any plans for Vascrim on the convention side of things? If people are sure. So Gen Con is definite. Uh, so on the business side of things, uh, Infinite Black will be at Gamma. Uh -huh. um, and so hopefully getting it into more retail stores and more distributors. Um, then I've got, uh, we've got a booth at Origins. I've applied for Gamehole Con and uh, uh, we'll plan on doing uh, PAX Unplugged again. Right on. Cool. So several so. places if you want to come check Vascrum out in person, um, several oh. places that way. We also just uh, are about to sign a contract with Gehenna Gaming, and they're going to be running games at conventions that we're at or not at for a good chunk of the time. So Nice, nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yep. you'll get to play Vascrim in some of these locations. See, that's great. That's perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, look, this has been great. Any other things that before we close out that you want to you wanna throw at people? No, I'm, if it's a... Uh... 
if it goes up before the Kickstarter launches, there's a couple of contests. You can win a crazy rad uh, Vascrim skateboard. Um, also, one of the starships that I built that's part of the, the thing. So there's a couple of giveaways to try and get more people excited, too. What, what do people need to do in order to get involved in those giveaways? I will send you the links. Would perfect. that work? Yeah, that's perfect. Awesome. I'll put all the links down in the show notes for everybody. Um, so yeah, and I'll put all like we'll put links down to the, to the of course to the crowdfunder and to everything Vasgrim. Uh, we don't have to work muck with that. Uh, but yeah, great, perfect. This has been amazing. I'm super excited about this. Again, launching January 24th, 2023. Um, thank you so much, Brian. For popping thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.